you know that the Kings, who are here in town today, are pretty good, even though they've got a core that's markedly older than that of the Penguins? How? But how? It's impossible, right? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out. It is Penguins versus Kings. Face-off is at 7.08 p.m. I'll be up there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Looking forward to seeing both teams because L.A., we don't get to see them all that often, can be fun. And unlike in the past when L.A. was only fun because of Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Jonathan Quick, and oh, this dude named Jeff Carter and a couple others, they now have a really pretty interesting young group that's come up underneath them. Why? They held on to their draft picks. They didn't completely sell out. And they made some other trades along the way, moving out veteran pieces, guys who might have stayed a little too long, the Tyler Toffoli types. They kept infusing younger talent. Gabriel Velarde is their leading scorer right now, and that's a name that not even a lot of people know. He was a first-round pick in 2017. He's 23 years old right now. He's got seven points through five games. The Kings as a team... Stay with me on this, by the way. I know it's not Daily Shot of King, so just, just stick with me here. I have a point. Over these last three games, all of them on the road, the Kings have won them all and scored 12 goals. And as we saw in the playoffs this past spring, what they're building has a bona fide feel to it. It doesn't feel phony at all. It doesn't feel like there's some second wind or second life for Kopitar, Doughty, and Quick. It, 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 Doughty wasn't even available for the playoffs. Kopitar, it, it, he's still all that. I've referred to him for years as Sun, the Moon, and the Stars. I love his overall play. But Quick has pretty much been shoved out of his own net. What's happened is that they've built up underneath him. And I feel like at the risk of making too strong a parallel between franchises that aren't that similar, that there is something that the Penguins could call from this. I really do. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Now, here's the first part of it that helps. And believe me, this is something that has an impact. You don't hear me talk a lot about uh, the public making an impact or influencing decisions. But it does matter. It does. It weighs on the people who run the team. It weighs on the people within the team. So when they hear nonstop, whether it's, you know, Brian Burke, Ron Hextall, Mike Sullivan, the players themselves, that this team is old and every single time they lose a game or even have a lousy period, it's always because they're old. 
after the loss in Montreal, which had literally nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that the Habs were young and the Penguins were old, all you'd heard about was old this, old that. If anything, if you really want to break down what went wrong in that third period and into the overtime, it was stuff that being more experienced should have helped you avoid. Jeff Petrie's been around long enough that he doesn't need to be taking three stupid penalties, none of which had to do with his being old. You cross-check someone in overtime, you're going to go sit. Not because you're old, but because you did something stupid. When Brian Dumoulin can't properly take away a pass through the lower slot that everyone knows is coming and that he's defended forever and ever and ever, it's not because he's old, it's because he had a mental lapse that, if anything, being older should have prevented. But then it goes all old, old, old. It's funny, and again, I'm obviously the furthest thing in the world from a Californian, but that old stigma isn't something that I've heard routinely attached to the Kings, just as I haven't heard it routinely attached to the Bruins or to the Capitals, even though they, too, have older cores who've won in the past. What you do hear a lot of, and a lot of the griping, was in Chicago regarding the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks already had their cups and everything else. And also, the Hawks actually did hold on to too many guys for too long, notably on the back end. But with the Kings, it's working. Why? Nobody's asking Kopitar to play as if he's 24. No one's asking Dowdy to go out and win a Norris Trophy. And no one's even asking Quick to be the starter. Instead, they're just appreciated and respected for exactly what they are now at this stage of their careers, which, by the way, happens to be really, really, really good hockey players. There are some people who feel Kopitar is actually playing some of the best hockey of his life right now. So that's one lesson that can be learned, meaning how you handle it. The other one is don't give away the draft picks. You can't just bring in second, third, fourth rounders year after year after year and think that your system is going to change because of what? Magical development? No way. No way. You have to hold on to your first rounders. You can't miss on your first rounders. And they have to get here and contribute in a meaningful way. And if that sounds like I'm looking at Sam Poulin, I am. He's a first round pick. You're not getting a guy like that. In hopes that he could someday, you know, find duty on your fourth line. He's got to be a top six forward. He's just got to. There's no other way around that. This is the kind of thing that I'm talking about here. It's not about blaming the old guys or the age every time something goes wrong. There's a lot of things that can be done right while also getting the absolute best out of the guys who've been your best players for a long time. When we come back, J1Q. And today's J1Q comes from Keith Jordan who yells in my direction. 
DK, it's been three freaking games. The fourth line hasn't had many shifts, and I do believe they haven't been on the ice for a goal yet. You need to chill just because they had a mediocre game in Montreal. Keith is referring, of course, to yesterday's episode in which I pretty much blistered the fourth line. Uh, I didn't really get into how they did or didn't impact the game in Montreal. I was referring to their performance through all three games and really including preseason and training camp while also acknowledging that Teddy Bluger's yet to be part of it and doesn't sound like Teddy will be part of it tonight either. Now, that said, I'm most definitely not going to chill. Three games played now are the only games that we can discuss. So let's start off in the in the uh, the journalistic slash reporting sense. I'm not making a broad, sweeping judgment about the entire season when I discuss three games. What I'm doing is actually discussing three games. You know why? They're the only three games that have been played. I'm not really into the hypotheticals. I'm not really into projecting. They've played three games. I'm talking about three games. I haven't liked the fourth line. I'm worried, and I think that's fair to feel too, that this fourth line isn't going to amount to much even when Teddy's back. Part of that is because I haven't seen much of Brock McGinn. You know what that's based on? Not three games. He's been here a lot longer than that, and he's done very, very little outside of a nice couple of months to start out last season. I'm worried about the impact that Josh Archibald can make because he's been in the NHL for a long time and hasn't made much of an impact. I'm worried about Ryan Paling because he was just a throw-in coming from Montreal and he hasn't shown me much to date. I'm worried that no one in Wilkes-Barre Scranton could make this roster, even as a fourth-liner, the salary cap be damned. That's a problem for me. I would like to have seen someone down there take one of these positions by stranglehold. And you know what I'm talking about. Drew O'Connor could have come up at training camp and gone gangbusters. Valtteri Pustinen could have popped a few goals and made everyone pay attention. Didn't happen. So these subjects are legit, and they aren't always some sort of knee-jerk reaction to the last game that was played, never mind the outcome of the last game that was played, because a team can play very, very well and still lose. Finally, finally, in rebuttal, they were not mediocre in Montreal, my man. They were lousy. They really were. Casey DeSmith kept them in the game for two periods, uh, especially... Through the first period, they got a little bit of equilibrium in the second, and then they went right back in the tank in the third. That's not okay. And that's not, again, a projection or a this or that. And it's certainly not why I brought up the fourth line. I do appreciate the question. I do appreciate you and everyone else listening to this program. We will do another one tomorrow. (laughs) 